Today is Thursday, October 29th, 2020. Time for episode 127 of the Barnhart Podcast. As I mentioned, it is October 29th, the feast of St. Feria, Virgin and Martyr, and Mother of St. Boniface the Lesser, Confessor, and Patron of People Who Make Up Stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Happy feast! <laughs> uh, you, you mentioned, though, that there actually is a, a feast for today. Yeah, um, one of the church, I mean, he's not considered a church father, but um, according to the pious tradition, he was born while um, John the Apostle was still alive in um, the year 99, Narcissus of Jerusalem. So going way back, way back. So that's pretty cool. As opposed to narcissist or narcissistic uh, personality disorder. So Narcissus of Jerusalem, pray for us and possibly pray for people who have narcissistic personality disorder. Absolutely. I was just going to say that. <laughs> he, he clearly must be the patron saint of narcissists. So, <laughs> so, and so many people have him as, as, as their patron right now. Clearly. Well, it's, like, it's like the apostle Jude who, who must have the eternal chagrin of having a name shared with Judas, who was the, the, the traitor among the apostles. So uh, all kinds of interesting, weird combinations among the saint names. There's probably, I'm sure there's a Saint Adolf somewhere. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's all kinds of names that have just been forever ruined. And the ultimate, the ultimate, um, I don't want to say ruination, but the ultimate um, besmirching of, of a good name is obviously St. Francis and all the various St. Francis's, but obviously St. Francis of Assisi. And then, you know, there's Francis, the female Francis of Rome. And there's all kinds of, um, there's all kinds of Francis's. And sadly that name has been completely besmirched. Another reason why we must pray for Bergoglio to be publicly recognized and removed as anti-Pope, if only to get the, the, the stain off of the good name of, of these incredible saints named Francis. Yeah, the the original Francis went to Egypt, and uh, legend says that he did succeed in converting the sultan, although he was too timid to admit it uh, until his deathbed. And uh, the the Francis we have now goes to the Middle East and just completely capitulates and says, oh, y'all have a path to God, too. Well, establishes the Freemasonic um, one world religion under under this um, what they what the Masons have been using for years is this motif of the Abrahamic religions, Judaism, Islam and Christianity. And um, that's that's exactly what he's doing is undoing all of that work. And, you know, I sent you you said, um, hey, you want to record today? And I said, yes, absolutely. And you said, okay, send me some bullet points. And I write up like you, you wrote me back and you said, okay, this is a good two and a half hours of content here. And you know what I didn't even include in that, that we haven't, we haven't talked about yet because the last podcast I did was with Dr. Boop. Yeah. Dr. Um, Dr. Beep. That was an awesome Dr. podcast. Beep. The, oh, but yeah. I got some feedback on that one, by the way, somebody, somebody asked me, said, I know Dr. Beep was a military guy, but I could have sworn that Anne got her potty mouth on earlier and oftener than the doc. Could you ask her to tone it down a little bit? Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, Dr. Boop and I have had, have had many, many hours of conversations. I mean, way back in the day around like campfires and all that, you know? And so, you know, you just kind of fall into your, you, you fall into your, um, 
your conversational paradigm that that with people that you already know and because you know for the listenership the the sense that and I don't want to speak for you super nerd but I think it, it you probably feel the same way that when we're recording this it's there's no sense that thousands and thousands and thousands of people are listening to it it's just you know it's just having a conversation. I'm having a conversation with Super Nerd right now. I had a conversation with um, Doctor Boop, um, and it's it's that's just what it feels like. I mean, of course, intellectually, you know that we're, you're recording a podcast, and you do have bullet points, and you try to stay stay on topic and get through certain topics, which you probably wouldn't do in a in a completely natural, organic conversation. But I got to tell you, it feels very close to a natural organic conversation when you're having it. And so when I'm talking with my, my homie from way back, you just, you're just talking like you're around the campfire again, you know, 35 years ago or whatever it was. So (laughs) yeah, that was, that was a really awesome podcast. Got a lot of positive feedback. I knew I would, I knew it would be, it would be extraordinarily interesting and informative and, um, and Dr. Boop has agreed that we will do it again. In fact, when we do the McLaughlin Group-esque roundtable, um, want to get him in on that, want to get Nurse Claire in on that, because both of them are also, you know, ca- practicing Catholics. Dr. Boop just converted and, um, or just entered the church, I should say, um, this summer. And of course, Nurse Claire is practicing and everything. So it's not like we would be limited with them to just talking about, um, just talking about medical stuff, um, which we certainly would obviously given current events, but they, they'd be fabulous to just talk about politics, Trump, everything. And, you know, just the more the merrier. So hopefully we can get that done here. Maybe, maybe after, after next Tuesday, we can do some sort of a round table or something that would be cool. But the point I was going to make is I send you like two and a half hours worth of bullet points and didn't even include Bergoglio ratifying sodomy. Yeah. That's because on, that that's seems on my like, that's yeah, on my I mean, points. it seems that seems like that happened six months ago now because events are happening so quickly and so much is happening. Yeah. I've got the, the, I've got the note in my the note in my notes. I've got the comment in my notes to to bring up what uh, Francis said about uh, civil unions and all that. So uh, let's see. The only other note I wanted to get to uh, regarding the last uh, podcast, and this is something that a couple of podcasts back, I asked if, if anybody had complained about this because I noticed it when I listened back on what I call my QA listen and audio glitches. I've been trying some different things, uh, changing different uh, encoding rates and whatnot. And listener JDA emailed me and and, uh, reported something that I had noticed, but I kind of dismissed and that there was a bit of a warble on the audio intermittently. And then at one point, the playback completely stopped and started over from scratch. Now he's on an iPhone. He was listening on uh, Apple Podcasts. I personally use an app called Overcast, but I'd heard the same thing. So, yeah, it, I, I, that happened to me once. I, the thing is, is I hardly ever listen to the podcast because, you know, I was there when it happened the first time. So I don't need to listen to it. And I trust you to edit everything. But um, I did re-listen to that one and I listened to it at double speed. And the I think we both were sent that email from that listener. And it said at this and such, like 38 minutes or something like that, it stops. And it did it, it did it on mine too. And when I was listening to it, I was listening to it through the website, through the embedded player on the blog. And so, it still stopped? Yep. 
Oh, that's weird. Okay, so I re-encoded the what I call the gold copy, mm-hmm. and uh, put it back to the the higher encryption or the encoding rate that I had done before. Put it back up, re-listened to it all the way through, and had no problem with it whatsoever. So, I had been experimenting and toying with going at a lower bit rate, but I'm sticking with yeah. 128. So the you you one emailer who's been saying, "Hey, you can encode this at lower." I'm not doing it. I'm not doing yeah. it. I'm not doing it. Um, because I run into problems like this. And JDA, by the way, I, I mentioned to him that uh, I was going to use his initials that way. That's not really his initials, but JDA is short for just don't ask. Uh, it's it's a listener. He's a real person. And, and he did report an error. And, and it was something that as soon as he reported it, it's like, oh, crud. I, it's not just me. So I went ahead and, and, and re-encoded it and uploaded it and said, okay, try it again now. And it was good. So Yeah, no problem. There's always a path forward. Never yep. panic. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Let's see. So it's been since October 3rd since I've been on the podcast with you. Um, yeah, yeah. As you, as you mentioned on the last podcast, it was super nerdless. And let's see, in the interim, some things have happened. Um, <laughs> One or two things, yes. Yeah, Amy <laughs> County Barrett is now a member of the Supreme Court, and the Girl Scouts now have a new badge called Most Woke. Have you heard about this? No. They oh. put out a blog post or a tweet or something on, on their, their social media or blog. I forget, forget which what, what one it was. And it was congratulations to Amy Coney Barrett for being the fifth female to be named the Supreme Court since the Supreme Court came into being. And the liberals went bat poop crazy and said, you can't um, you know congratulate her or whatever. They took that off the internet and put up a, a tribute to the previous four liberal women who have been named to the Supreme Court. So, yes, you, Girl Scouts, if, if there are any Girl Scouts listening, you can get a Most Woke badge now. Well, the Girl Scouts have been militantly pro-baby murder for a long time now. So I can't imagine that any of our listeners have any of their daughters in Girl Scouts. That's The Girl Scouts have been an absolute train wreck. And the truth be told is they, they were a train wreck for decades. Um, the only thing that's kept the Girl Scouts going, and I'm not joking, I'm not being facetious, is those cookies. I mean, that's the only thing that's kept it going. But it's just a it's just a horrible mess now. There's no there's no camping. There's no there's none of that stuff. It's just it's just fornication, um, aberrosexual behavior, and baby murder propaganda is basically why the Girl Scouts exist. So I can't imagine why anyone would have their girls anywhere near any of that. And truth be told, I can kind of see why girls would want to join the Boy Scouts. Because if the Boy Scouts, which also are completely disqualified because they are now pro-sodomy, pro-trans, I mean, all this, all this garbage. Um, if, if you, if you had a, a girl who was interested in learning about, you know, camping and outdoor stuff. And I mean, it, yeah, it, it, I can absolutely empathize with someone, with a girl who would want to join something like the Boy Scouts just to learn, the, you know, and just be exposed to those activities and skill sets. Of course they shouldn't be because those two things should be sex segregated, obviously, um, because girls take over and basically <laughs> ruin for boys anything that's co-ed, which is, I mean, everybody out there who's had lads who have been altar servers, um, you can you can testify to that. One of the, aside from the theological, just impossibility and and illicitity of having females in the sanctuary and serving at the altar at all. Leave that to the side for just a second. We all agree on that. Sociologically, when you mix girls and boys together, girls just take over. 
and the boys just shut down and walk away and don't want to don't want to fight with them don't want to mess with it just let the girls do everything and it's just ruined the whole dynamic is ruined i think it depends on the group um especially when it comes to like a girl scout boy scout kind of thing and not that i was ever in the boy scouts but i'm just sort of sort of looking at my own kids and uh, of my girls the one who is the most interested in camping is not the tomboy. I mean, I've got an, uh, her, her sister. She's got a sister who's way more aggressive than she is. And uh, the one who's more interested in camping and probably interested, way more interested in the Girl Scouty kind of things, she's probably also the same one who'd be more interested in baking brownies and, and being a homemaker mm-hmm. uh, than anybody else. And so it's, it's, it's this odd dynamic that uh, you really can't, uh, predict ahead of time what any individual person is going to have a predilection toward uh, or ha- have an attraction toward. I mean, I never had an attraction toward camping per se, but I'm developing it more because I see that some of my kids do. Mm-hmm. Not that I've done it much yet. And I say that because Supermom's going to listen to this and say, wait, you don't go camping. So anyway, um, the, my point being is that, that you say that the girls will take over. It really depends. I mean, I can certainly see some situations where you get, you know, toxically masculine boys prevent the girls from taking over. And that becomes an entirely different social dynamic and political dynamic. But I, I don't think you can make generalizations. It really comes down to, to groups there. Yes. In general, the boys are going to be more aggressive. Uh, it depends on the girls. If they are tomboys, they are going to have a certain strain of screw it up for the fun for everyone in a, in a particular sort of way. But, you know, you, you, I, I'm just saying you can't make generalizations because uh, humans are so unique and different in so many different ways. And, you know, that's the variety that God made in the legitimate sense. I'm not going to go all lefty diversity is awesome kind of thing, but God does create a massive diversity among uh-huh. people and among personalities. And you see that among the saints. I mean, some of them are, the um the people like St. Francis who is willing to be a martyr and go straight to the sultan's face and say you are going to go to hell you mm-hmm. need to become a christian and challenged all the imams let's, let's all walk through the fire and see who 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 uh, who is saved mm-hmm. and 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 they all ran and 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 uh, of course that had a big impression on the sultan as well i mean that that kind of virility it's not something that's uniquely masculine per se. I mean, look at St. Teresa of Avila. She chastised her nuns for not being masculine enough. And she wasn't saying that in a butch sense, like the, the right. nuns up the road in, in Leavenworth. It's, it's the, it's the sense of having the sense to do the arduous things because that's what is spiritually required of you. Virilitas. Um, our Lord told St. Catherine of Siena that he wanted her and she needed to develop virilitas virility. Um, that, that is a, that's a virtue, a virtuous quality that transcends sex. And so, yeah, it's, you can't, there, there, I think that there should be, especially in childhood, sex segregated um, things where boys can just be with other boys and, and, and have men in a mentoring situation like that without having to worry about having girls around. And I think it's, I think it's um, proven, but I mean, the education academia has been so infiltrated for so long, because obviously it was one of the first things to be infiltrated and converged, um, that if if you had genuinely um, sound studies done about um, sex-segregated education, 
that it would show that both boys and girls do better in sex segregated schools. And then, you know, as they used to do in the old days, then you organize events, dances. I remember watching episodes of Leave it to Beaver. And, you know, those kids, now that depicted a, a, a normal public school with boys and girls. But I remember watching and being absolutely fascinated by the fact, and this would have been in the late 70s or early 80s when I'm watching, you know, Leave it to Beaver reruns, that they would, they would depict that those kids would have parties and dances and, and you know, Beaver get dressed up in a suit and the little girls all wearing their absolute best party dresses and they would throw parties and dances and they would, you know, like ballroom, ballroom dance with each other. And what's leave it to Beaver. That's like the late fifties. So, you know, all along up until, up until the asteroid hit in the early sixties, people were organizing things so that boys and girls could mix together and socialize together. But I, I empathize tremendously with boys who just, they never get any time alone. And now, now especially when they're being told that all masculinity is toxic. Um, they're just being browbeaten and browbeaten and browbeaten. Now more than ever, I think it's important to provide sex segregated opportunities and activities for children just so that, you know, boy, boys can be boys. I mean, girls have, I, I'm going I'm to check myself. I was about to say girls have no problem being girls, but you know what? That's not true either, because now girls are being taught to act like boys and to be masculine. And sadly, oh, there was a headline. It was this week and people were just freaking out about it and saying that can't be right. That can't be right. Something like 35% of high school age girls identify as um, LGBT. They did, you know, they did a, a survey. 35% of the girls identified as being sexually perverted. And people are freaking out and saying, oh my gosh, that can't be right. That can't be right. Oh, I, I beg to differ. I beg to differ. I think that is right. I think that, um, especially for girls, it's just a lot easier for them to, you know, cross that bridge and make that claim. Um, I think it's always been that way. I think female sodomy has been much more easily accepted. And I, I, I kind of don't know why that is. I reckon it's because women are mothers and are, you know, are supposed to be more physically affectionate and so on and so forth. And so it isn't, it isn't quite as jarring when you see, like if you saw two women walking down the street holding hands, well, I mean, it could be mother and daughter. It could be aunt and niece, it could be something like that. Whereas if you see two men walking down the street holding hands, that's just, you know, record scratch. Ugh, what's that? And well, if they're not Arab. Ugh, well, still, it's still record scratch nasty. But yeah, Arabs do do that. That's true. Um, but, and then it's, it's not, I guess, and I guess the other thing that's happened is apparently in pornography, it's been from the very beginning in pornography, the depiction of two women together has been very popular in pornography. And it's only within the past, I don't know, 20, 25, 30 years that um, the depiction of 
uh, gay male pornography has become this completely common thing. And now the sad truth of the, of the matter is, is that I think probably by now, most men who consume pornography in, in the Western world consume at least some gay male pornography. They've been completely desensitized to it. Um, but I think just the sight of, of male homosexuality is so much more repellent and, and contrary to nature, I guess is what I'm getting at that. Um, yeah, it's, I, I totally believe that 35% of teenage girls today identify as being sex perverts. Yeah. Well, speaking of Hunter Biden's laptop, did you yeah, go yeah, that? good segue. Absolutely. You bet. Well, what is there to say? Hunter Biden's laptop <laughs> has, uh, who was it? Was it maybe James Woods or I think it was James Woods, the guy who, that the Hollywood actor who has like 3 million followers on Twitter and is a, is one of the, the most outspoken conservatives in the United States today. Um, he, he described Hunter Biden's laptop as proof that there is a God. And <laughs> I see the point that he's making. Um, so I think by now, probably most of the listenership is, is familiar with this. Although what you all have to remember is that um, people out in the world, a lot of them have heard nothing about this because they don't, they don't look at any, anything other than CNN, network news, all of that. And that's all completely infiltrated and converged. And they won't say a word about this. Oh, speaking of which, you know, yes. do you recognize the name Glenn Greenwald? Glenn Greenwald. That is the, um, he's, he just quit today. He quit his own company, right? Yeah. But do you, do you know why that name is recognizable? No. He and Laura Poitras were the ones who broke the Edward Snowden story. Oh, for which they okay. won the pull. Well, at least um, Greenwald, um, because he's a toxic male. He got the he got the Pulitzer. I think th I thought they shared it. I have to look that up again. But the point is, this is this is a guy who is definitely left liberal. And yes, he he and um, Jeremy Scahill and somebody else's whose name escapes me started the Intercept. And actually, the Intercept is the product, and I forget the name of the company. Uh, like lean left media or some, something like that. Yeah. They started started a company and and uh, they obviously are making money one way or another. But but um, but uh, Greenwald quit because he wanted to publish a a uh, a story that was critical in some cases of of Biden talking about the Hunter Biden laptop and all of the people at the Intercept are all New York leftist liberals. Said no, we're we're going to we're not going to publish anything like that. And uh, so his he referred to as his contract. He said, "Okay, I have complete editorial control. I can publish whatever I want. It's in my contract. And even if that's a problem, I have the ability to publish whatever I want on a separate website. If you guys decide not to, mm -hmm. and they still threw a fit about that. So he resigned. Yeah. So the 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 idea of the media shutting out this story it's to the point that people who start their own profitable media companies are having to quit." In order yeah. to publish a story, it's not even pro-Trump. It's just pointing out some problems that where there is so much smoke, there's probably some fire with the Bidens. He's he, This guy doesn't want Trump elected. He doesn't like Biden either, but he's just trying to be a journalist and report journalist, fact. Yeah. And that's a problem for a lot of people. And that's why you don't see much about Biden in, in the news media. It's, I mean, I think what this is making a lot of people realize is that journalism as we have known it is it no longer exists 
it does not exist. People, I don't think people fully realized and appreciated how corrupt, how dishonest um, news media journalism today is. Um, good grief! If this if this Corona scam doesn't doesn't demonstrate it, then this the, the Biden situation is like is is if I may if I may go back to James Woods, it is a gift from God. It is a gift from God. If you didn't get how bad it was with Corona scam, then here's the Biden situation. And um, if, if you don't get it at that point, then frankly, um, all I'm all I can think of is the words of our Lord in Scripture: "Let the dead bury the dead, shake the dust from your sandals, get out of town. Let the dead bury the dead." There's not much you can do at that point. So, yeah. So, um, what's what's the latest? Um, I mean, we don't need to get into gory detail, but I mean, the whole Biden family is basically, they're all having sex with each other is what it basically boils down to. And that's not much of an exaggeration. And Well, at least in the case of Hunter, I don't know about the rest of them. I thought the biggest feature was the fact that they are, they are trading on the Biden name, the Joe Biden name, while he was vice president and enriching themselves to the tune of millions in Ukraine and billions in China. Yep. And Hunter was, I don't know if he's the oddball in this case or if he is symptomatic of the whole. I've only heard of the sexual depravity referred to or, or referenced to, to Hunter at this point in time. Though, you know, I wouldn't question it if news started coming out that Joe was into that as well. I mean, we've seen all the pictures of him being creepy and smelling little girl's hair and things like that. Yeah, I mean, well, his daughter, it, her journals have been have been um, posted and she basically accuses him of, of, um, she was forced to shower with him when she was, when she was young. Um, and she, she says I was sexually molested and then lists out all these things that she cites. And that's one of them. She was made to shower with her father. Um, yeah, I mean, incestuous pedophilia runs in families. It is a, it's a vampiric learned contagious sort of a thing. And it, Everybody knew it was it was not any secret that Hunter Biden was having an affair with his sister-in-law, with Bo Biden's wife, both before and after Bo Biden died. Um, that was that was open. Every, people have known that for years. Um, so, but now, what's absolutely jaw-dropping is that he was, while he was having an affair with his sister-in-law, he was also. Um, sexually molesting his blood niece who was 14. So, I mean, this, it runs in families. It's a learned behavior. And I made a post, um, you know, people are debating where there's smoke, there's fire, looking at Joe Biden, looking at how he uh, is around children. And then there's some really creepy pictures um, of Biden with Hunter that are just, I mean, just skin crawling. I, I posted one of them where they're embracing and Biden is kissing, Joe Biden is kissing Hunter. And it just, it's, it doesn't look right. It, it sends the red flag up. And, you know, this is completely common in Islamic culture. And so I, my headline was, you know, if America wants to live under this, COVID religion, secular Sharia, then it, it, it makes perfect sense that they would want to have an incestuous pedophile 
a father-son incestuous pedophile who is also teetering on the precipice of mental retardation ruling over them as de facto caliph because that's that's basically what's going on. This COVID religion is the fusion of New World Order Freemasonry with Islam, basically, with the veiling and all that. We've talked about that at length already on the podcast and in writing. Uh, but if you think about it, it kind of makes perfect. It's the perfect um, confluence that it would turn out that here you go, <laughs> out of 330 million people, 330 million people in what is in what is routinely described as the 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 greatest most powerful most sophisticated um nation state that has ever existed with 330 million people Joe Biden is is the best you can find to run for president of the United States and will and you know will leave the question of Trump over on the side for now. I mean, you can't do any better than Joe Biden. And you know that, you know that the Democrats knew what he was. They knew he was corrupt. They knew he was creepy. Let us also not forget that Joe Biden, just not too terribly long ago, Tara Reid very credibly accused him of digitally raping her. Um, do you think the Democrats don't know what this guy is? And and dying of dementia as we speak, obviously, it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah, and there there are too many references to that to to try to link in the show notes. Oh yeah, one of the one of the most obvious ones in the last couple of days was talk some campaign rally where there was fifty four people showed up and there were six foot isolated circles. Mm -hmm. uh, Biden was talking about uh, we don't need another four more years of George, and he said the name George twice, and his his wife. Uh, Jill was right there. He's going, Trump, Trump, yeah. Trump. And, and he says, George Trump. <laughs> it's like, this guy has no idea what's going on. He nope. he doesn't even know that he's had debates with Trump. I, you know, ask him in two weeks. He won't even know he's running for president. Yeah. And he, and he, what did he refer to himself? He referred to himself as Harris's. We don't say her first name because it's the name of a demon. He referred to himself as Harris's running mate. Yeah. Well, and said, you, you think I'm kidding? You think I'm kidding? And like, no, we, we believe you. We know that that's actually the truth that if, if somehow the, the, the votes aren't counted, which by the way, let me go on the record and say, absolutely. Every indication is, is that if the votes are counted fairly, which is a huge if, which I have little to no confidence in, it would be an absolute Trump slide, total Trump slide. The quite, but, but you know, you can't, you can't take it for granted because look what we're in the middle of. We're in the middle of the biggest crime against humanity ever perpetrated in the form of Corona scam. Um, do we actually believe that there is going to be any integrity in counting the votes of this election? I don't have any, I have no confidence in that at all, but I will say that if the votes were counted, it would be, it would be a Trump slide. Um, I don't know if it would be like Reagan Mondale 84. I, I don't think Trump would win California, for example, but it would be it would be huge if the votes were counted. So I, I have to admit the, the the scenario that makes me the most chilled is uh, something that Ben Shapiro mentioned on his podcast is the idea. And he even laid out and it's not that unplausible that the. the the different states have to go for 
uh, Trump and Biden certain ways, but we could end up with a 269-269 tie. And then, of course, that goes to the House of Representatives. Well, at first I'm thinking, okay, the House of Representatives is owned by the Democrats, so they would go for Biden. But he points out in the podcast, in the Constitution, the way this works is that the House of Representatives vote by state. At the moment, that is a conservative, it's a Republican majority. But if they hold this off until after the election, if two states shift, we have a 25-25 tie. And it's very likely we'll have a 50-50 tie in the Senate. So we could have a tie in the congressional or in the electoral college. We could have a tie in in the House for electing the president and we had a tie in the Senate for trying to elect the um, the vice president. And then Pence votes, right? And No, he's not in office anymore. And that this is where it gets really interesting. Oh. Because if if nobody is elected president by noon on June or January 20th, June 20th, that, that's actually possible. Um, if, if nobody's elected president by, by noon on, on January 20th, the acting uh, speaker of the house becomes president. But to do that, that person has to resign as speaker of the house and member of, of, of the house to become the acting president. One of the questions I have is, can that person then refuse to do that, pass it off to the Senate, just in case there is a a uh, Democrat in this case who's who's in charge in the Senate. The president pro tem of the Senate is the next in line to become the president, because if that person is a is a senator from a state with a Democratic governor, then by resigning as president pro tem of the Senate and from the Senate to become the acting president until the presidency is settled, that person could then be renominated back to the Senate. Man. This scenario has never happened before. Well, now we have had we have had scenarios where somebody did not win the absolute majority of the electoral vote and it had to go to the House to elect the president, but they elected the president there. We've never had a situation where it it tied or we didn't have a majority in the electoral college and we couldn't elect a president in the House and couldn't elect a vice president in the Senate. And I'm just thinking about this and saying, you know, as messed up as 2020 has been, if we want to make 2021 even worse, that would be a hell of a start. Yeah. Uh, I think I think no matter what happens, if it's a Trump slide, if it's close, if it if it shows Biden's winning, I think that it's it's not going to be settled. Um, and I absolutely anticipate that 2021 at this point, barring supernatural intervention will be worse than, than 2020, believe it or not. Well, it's already been announced that COVID 21 is coming out in February. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And they're already set there making movies, propagandizing, you know, I said to someone, I had someone come to visit and we went out to dinner and I said, it's, it's, we're moving to the point where there are going to be shoot on site orders for not wearing a mask. 
it's not going to be you're going to get a ticket. It's going to it's not even going to be that some people are going to come and tackle you and arrest you. It's going to be shoot on side orders if you're not wearing a mask. And the the people that came to visit and we were having dinner, they kind of scoffed and laughed and said, oh, no, that's that's not possible. OK, so we've we've seen the videos from Victoria in Australia where police are forcibly putting masks on people. We've uh-huh. seen the videos from England and Germany and France and other places uh, throughout Europe. I don't know about Asia. They, I don't know what they're, this no, is their no, virus. There they is, can do whatever there they is want. No, there's nothing in Asia. There's nothing in China. You, you're you aware of that, right? There's, yeah, there's no, there's that. no Corona cold. There's no, nobody's wearing a mask. The economy is completely open. No quote unquote second wave. None of that in China. Isn't that interesting? Where I was going with this is that oh. you look at the developed world, which is primarily the Western world, Western Europe, the advanced countries in, in Eastern um, Asia, and and you look at um, what laws they have to protect people. In the United States, we have something called the Americans with Disabilities Act. So if you have a condition where you cannot wear a mask, so one great example is somebody who has lupus or has had lupus, you cannot wear a mask. It'll Why? kill you if you wear a mask. Why? I, I'm not familiar with lupus. Why Why is it disqualified? I don't know off the top of my head, and I will research that and put a link in the show notes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Awkward pause while I write on my, on my notes. <laughs> link. Lupus. What is lupus? It's like it's an immune... It's a, it's a lung disease of some sort, and uh, I think if you inhibit the airways... I mean, personally, for me, I get I, I am so allergic to secondhand smoke that I you know I, I am very susceptible to upper respiratory infections, mm. and and when when I tell people you know I, I walk into stores and, and they they'll say oh you need to wear a mask I have a medical exemption dude, and and if they challenge it uh, I've said a number of things and the most uh, belligerent thing I've ever said is I'm not human I'm I'm immune to your diseases, and 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 uh, oh that's a good one. <laughs> Well, it, it was it was funny to me at the time, and then um, and, and then when I got to the register to check out, they said you're not wearing a mask. I can't check you out. And I said, have fun restocking it. I'm going to your competition. So, uh-huh. uh, you know, there, there's only a certain certain degree you you can get away with that, I suppose. But um, no, there there are legitimate reasons where wearing a mask is actually a problem, and. Like all the time, yeah. Well, and, 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 with, yeah. The, and, and with the with the yeah. ADA, for you know, here here's a fun part, fun thing. If you tell somebody when you come into a store, hey, why aren't you wearing a mask? I have a medical condition. I cannot wear a mask. If they say, "What's your condition?" That's, that's actually a that's actually a violation of the law. And when yeah. you point that out to them, now they can say, "Okay, fine." But I can tell you, you still can't come into the store. You can you can place your order online, or you can write down your order, and I can bring it out to you on the curb or whatever. But usually, when you when you point out to them that the very fact that they asked me what my medical condition was was is a violation of the HIPAA laws, which is a hundred thousand dollar fine per incident, uh-huh. they usually shut up really quick and just say, "Okay, have a good time." You know what I did. I am. Um, <laughs> I dropped fifteen bucks and I bought an e-cigarette thing, 
<laughs> and so now as I'm, as I'm walking about, I, I carry this thing around in my pocket and should I see anyone, Karens or, or law enforcement, although I've not had any problem, but should I see anyone who would give me any grief? Um, I, all I have to do is reach in my pocket and whip out my e-cigarette because apparently they're not supposed to give people grief for for smoking or drinking water. So I, I have yet I have yet to wear a mask. So that does not surprise me one bit. We we pray that <laughs> that the streak continues, but I have yet to do it. And um, oh, and I've I've used um, it's it's against my religion once, and boy, did that bring people to a screeching halt. And oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. I I reckon they assume that I'm like Jehovah's Witness or something like that. I, they didn't even ask, what religion are you? And I would, of course, said, well, I'm, I'm Roman Catholic. <laughs> and then if they had asked, I would have said, well, mass are against the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and eighth commandments. So, and I would be happy I to give them. I would go have said, ahead. how dare you use your privilege to assert that I cannot go around without a mask? Yes, that's a good one, too. Asserting your privilege. Yeah. Oh man, there's there's so there's there's multiple options, but like I said, it's all progressing and Satan is not going to back off. These people are not going to back off. They're not going to stop and because it's a religion and all of these people in the broad society have converted to this religion, even if if the government were to call a halt to all of it tomorrow, um there's still going to be a lot of places and a lot of people that won't let you in and will try to give you and will try to shame you and and scream at you and all kinds of things if you don't wear that. And it's probably in our lifetimes never going to completely go away, barring supernatural intervention. Or this is the prelude that is going to be used as precedent in the future. In the For... same, in, in, well, in the same sense that I, I don't think we're really at the end times. I think we're in a dress rehearsal, perhaps. And so there are going to be some things that go on the record that that are going to be cited cited at a later time to, you know, for example, cash has to be done away with at some point. Mm -hmm. As long as it is legal in the United States, and I don't know about the rest of the world, but here in the United States for us, as long as we can legally exchange cash for stuff, food, um, hardware, anything we want to buy, guns, and that's not illegal. And by law, it cannot be refused to do to do business with cash. That's going to have to be done away with in law. Otherwise, and, and before that's done away with in law, I don't see how the mark in the in the, in the hand and the forehead um, to deny somebody for for buying and selling becomes a reality globally. And I, I realize that the, that the, all the precursors are coming into into focus. You know, mm -hmm. I think in Ireland they have the idea of the health passport. It's an app on your phone. It's either green, yellow, amber, or red of whether or not you're able to travel, whether or not you're able to go to the store. Canada's mm -hmm. got something similar they're talking about. And the idea is if your health passport comes up red, you have to stay home. And if you don't stay home, we're going to put you in an internment camp. You yeah. can't buy or sell or anything like that. You can't travel. You can't do anything. But in, at least in the United States, we still have the legal recourse of saying you can't do that to us something is going to have to change in a significant manner maybe it's the biden harris administration and then harris 
Obama administration. I don't know who mm-hmm. her vice president will be. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe something will change there where they're going to say, because the overwhelming problem of the Corona 21 uh, virus, we're going to have to do away with, you know, fundamental constitutional guarantees that have been around for 200 years. Well, it's already happening in Europe. I mean, those people cannot work. They're being, I mean, you've, we've already had lockdown in the United States. In Europe, they're going back into lockdown again. And what the people in Europe are saying, and in, in some European countries, it literally is in their constitution that people have the right to work and that the state is obliged to facilitate and not hinder in any way the ability of people to work. And so they're, they're, doing these lockdowns and it's wildly illegal and it's completely unconstitutional in most of these European countries. That's not stopping it. There's, there's no, um, there's no redress. There's no, there's no one to turn to because it's coming from the very, very, very top. And so. Wait, do European countries really have constitutions like we have? Yeah, they do. Yeah. I thought our constitution was a reaction to European government. Well, even the even the French Revolution, even under even under the reforms after Napoleon and Napoleon the Third and all the other you know despots, uh, even under the Fourth Republic, what are they up to now? Fourth, fifth, sixth? I don't know. Thirty third Republic, whatever they're up to now, they still they don't really have the same kind of constitution that we have here, do they? But remember, most European countries have been have had numerous iterations since the American Revolution, and many of them have had numerous governmental iterations since World War II. And so, yeah, a lot of them do have constitutions, and it's an enshrined right for people in Europe, allegedly, um, to have the right to work. And so you're seeing um, now turning into violent riots. Talk about another failure on the part of uh, the news media. You don't see any reportage on the riots that are going on in Europe now because people are saying, this is insane. You cannot, you cannot deprive us the right to work. You're not giving us any relief because, I mean, even when governments in Europe are saying, oh, we're, get, we're giving you money, it's like 500 bucks or something like that. It's, it's absolutely nothing. People still have are still getting, you know, um, their rent is still due. Now, some of them have negotiated down into lower rent rates, but you can't you can't pay rent at all if you can't even be open. Um, so. They still have to pay their rent, which they can't because they can't be open and they can't work. Um, they still have bills to pay, and they're still and all of the force of foreclosure and debt and all of this stuff. It's all being enforced just like normal, except they are they are legally, extra legally, illegally banned from working. How do you pay your taxes? And so one of the things that, that you see with the protests, if, if the North American media will ever cover it, is that people in Europe are making these signs saying, if, if working is no longer a protected right, then paying taxes is no longer a legal obligation. And that's exactly right. 
state can't ban you from working and then tax you. This is exactly like what happened in the Ukraine in the Holodomor, when the Soviets refused to give the Ukrainian farmers seed to plant the wheat crop and then show up at harvest time and say, where's the crop? That is exactly what is going on right now um, in Europe, especially. But I mean, it's the same thing in, in the U.S., People are still expected to pay their rent, pay their mortgage, and pay their taxes, but being banned from working. So, it's, well, I mean, there's there's the old Soviet joke that we pretend to work and they pretend to pay us. But in terms of looking at Europe, um, if you've been looking at the news in France with with the Muslims beheading Christians in churches, yeah, there's there are you know definite uh, religious terrorist activities going on that even preclude. The headlines about COVID, about taxes. I mean, it, it, uh-huh. it, nobody's paying attention to these other things we've been talking about. And that's part of the reason why I want to keep pulling this back to just talking about here in the United States, because Europe's got a different ball of wax to the point of if they start talking about technicalities about what their, you know, you know, uh, human rights, um, are supposed to be enshrined in law or or the UN Declaration of Human Rights and all this other stuff. It's like okay, unleash the Kraken, unleash the Muslims. Let's go let them kill the Christians, and then they'll all forget about the 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 discussion about the rights. And it's all about what can we do to su- to suppress that. It's like hey, yeah. go look over here, look over there, kind of stuff. More chaos, more better. That's that's we've talked about this. That's the motto of Freemasonry: ab chaos ordine, from chaos order, and it's the declared motto of anti Pope Bergoglio: agon leo, make a mess, raise hell. I was hell. just gonna say that. Yes. Yep. And that's that's what all of this is about. They, you know, people are mystified and saying, how, you know, how can, how can Bergoglio, I'll call him Francis because I'm quoting, I'm quoting the mob now. How can Francis, you know, say these things and sow this confusion about, you know, sodomite civil unions and how can they do this? And how can the government do these lockdowns and can't they see what's going on? And people are committing suicide. Oh, by the way, in the UK, um, number one cause of death now among men in the UK under the age of 50 is suicide, which has increased by a factor of 10 in the past year. Well, that's something that Dr. Beep said in in the podcast with him is that in the military, suicides, which were already at a problem rate, are going up another 20% again. And that's just in the military. I've, I've seen stories of people who are saying, hey, I can't deal with lockdown life. I'm I'm ending it. And, yeah. and that's not even taking into account all the antisocial behaviors that, uh, uh, that people are engaging in who aren't killing themselves, who are drinking themselves into yep. oblivion. Because, of course, alcohol stores are, are necessary businesses. Of course uh, they right are. Right along yep. with Walmart, but not churches. Uh, mm-hmm. So so all the AA uh, groups are shut down because that's done in churches. So right. alcoholics are back in business. And, yep. and um, you know, it, it's... Yeah, what could possibly go wrong? A longtime Italian um, reader and listener who actually distributes a lot of what I write and does some translation and stuff sent me a link today. Incredibly sad. Um, I don't know if it was in Naples or where it was, but a young guy had, you know, within the last year and a half or two years, had bought 
um, a coffee bar. And, you know, there are lots and lots and lots and lots of coffee bars in Italy. And he had bought this coffee bar and, you know, young guy starting out, making a go of it in business. And this morning, he, this morning, he went into work, he opened up the coffee bar, turned on all the lights, opened the door, propped the door open, went back in the back room and hung himself. And the first customers of the morning found him. Um, you just, that's the level of despair. And, you know, isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that a young man like that is willing to die, commit suicide and guarantee himself going to hell, but he wasn't willing to fight and die virtuously for his, for his, um, his, for himself, for his family, for his community and for his nation. Isn't that interesting what Satan has driven people to in this? It doesn't even occur to most people, whether it's in Europe, the United States, worldwide. I don't think it really occurs to anybody anymore that yes, I could, I could die in this, but if I'm going to die in this, I'm going to die fighting. I don't think that even occurs to anybody. The only thought that people have of death in, in this situation is suicide. Fighting isn't even on the table. And um, that, that's the difference. And that's why this is so much different than any other time in history, because this is the first time in history where men as, as in totality have no desire to fight and die for anything, but they are willing to commit suicide. I am curious to know more about that case because it makes me immediately think of two different things. One, um, the stories that priests have told me about, or not, I shouldn't say me, like they're talking to me personally, but from the pulpit about the epidemic of the lack of, of male leadership of, mm -hmm. of male role models. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, when times get tough, you look to see what the, what are the men doing with a couple of exceptions and I'll, maybe I'll get back to that. But, um, the, the other thing that came to mind is you look at the minority community and I've mentioned, uh, the podcast and probably four or five times at least maybe 12, uh, the MoFax podcast that Adam Curry does. And this is a study of U.S. history from the black perspective. And one of the things that Mo points out is that one of the biggest ep epidemics since the 1950s up till now is the lack of men, the lack of yeah. fathers. And even to things like um, the there, were, there was a, um, a documentary recently, I, I, I didn't see it yet, called The Last Dance, I think is what it was called. It was about the, the, uh, the Chicago Bulls team. And, and uh, just how dominant that team was, and Michael Jordan specifically. And one of the things that was commented on in the podcast was how important Michael Jordan's dad was to his upbringing and contrasting mm -hmm. this to LeBron James, who didn't have mm -hmm. that. And Michael Jordan yeah. never lost in the finals. LeBron James, I think, has lost more than he's won in the finals. I, I'll have to double-check the math on that. I don't count this year. Uh, the Lakers and the Dodgers winning their championships. It's an asterisk. It doesn't count because of COVID. Things got yeah. screwed up. Um, that's supernerdmedia or email at supernerdmedia.com if you don't like that. Um, no, but it's true because a lot, if you've ever watched any documentaries or anything about the Bulls and that stretch when they won six, you know, 
what what everyone talks about is Jordan's leadership. And they say, you know, Phil Jackson, great, but Jordan is the one who Jordan called plays. Jordan was the coach of that team. He was both the head coach and obviously the the leader on the floor, obviously. Jordan ran that team in every sense and it was it was absolutely masculine leadership the result of actually having a father. Yeah. I I've got to look into now uh what, what the uh, parental upbringing of Tom Brady was because I was going to say looking at the dynamic of is it was it Phil Jackson or was it Michael Jordan looking at uh I, I would say it's a combination of the both but which one has the bigger x factor and in terms of NFL football this year of course this is the first time since uh, Tom Brady played professional football he's not playing under um, Bill Belichick with a, the Patriots he's playing in Tampa or something like that and New England is a is a dumpster fire it's a bigger dumpster fire than Vatican II if you can believe that and Man, that's saying something and that's Tampa something. Tampa's not doing too bad and the one of the one of the questions that's being raised in intelligent circles the people who are like chess master type minds who talk about football you know general manager types they say is it because uh, is it because Belichick really doesn't have the the tools, or I should say tools, the players who are capable of being coached into the same positions, or was it that Brady uh, picked up so much of the Belichickian way of thinking that now that he's with a different team, he is effectively the offensive coordinator and head coach, even though he's playing. Mm-hmm. And there there are there have been. There have been people who are saying that the the head coach in in Tampa Bay, Bruce Arians, it, it, he hates the fact, even though it you know he, he he couldn't say no to Brady saying he wants to play there, he hates the fact that Brady is there because he's not in control of the team anymore. Mm-hmm. Down to the point that somebody I, I want to say maybe I'm wrong on this point, but I think they even just signed Antonio Brown, who is like a notorious troublemaker. He's been kicked out of multiple uh, teams in the NFL. Even if he gets signed, he's still subject to an eight eight game penalty for you can't play but brady wants him brady says he can control him the point is that arians the head coach of the team is not even in control even the general manager is not in control brady's in control yeah so did brady learn this at the university of michigan probably not i think he learned that from belichick and when you get into the dynamic where you have somebody like a brady and a belichick together it's like michael jordan and um and Phil Jackson. Phil, I almost said Steve Jackson. Uh, Phil Jackson together. Yes, Jordan understood the system, and 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 it became so innate to him that he could then take over, and it became part of him, and he could direct everyone on the floor. It becomes the floor general. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's one mind at that point. Um, I, I would imagine it's a combination of the two. It's not an independent thing, but. And I just looked up. I just looked up Tom Brady, and yes, his father is Tom Brady Sr. and his parents are still married. So he was raised by his mother and his father. Yes. Yeah, maybe there's something to that, and that was that was something that definitely struck me from listening to that uh, Mofax episode when they were talking about that. Is that uh, Jordan had that intact family unit? In fact, when his father died, uh, was I guess murdered on the roadside, murdered, if I remember murdered, correctly. Yep. That yep. really messed Jordan up, and he was never the same. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so the just the, the power of, of, of the father figure um, and going into a different branch of what Mofax talks about on his podcast, if you want to reform black society, you you bring you emphasize the role of black men. 
Yep. As fathers of family, as the cornerstones of society. And yes, you can go and talk about the historical uh, institutional racism. And yes, there is something to that when you talk about redlining and you talk about Jim Crow laws and keeping people isolated and segregated. Yes, we can overcome this. I don't think that's still really a thing. And if it still is, hey, I don't live in the South. I don't know if it's true anymore. But um, okay, tangent to tangent to tangent. One of the things I, I decided to to uh, buy and listen to because of that that the MoFax podcast is is the autobiography of Malcolm X. And Malcolm X was a Muslim, or he became a Muslim. Um, mm-hmm. Nation of Islam, and then when he went on Hajj, he realized that he wasn't a real Muslim. But one of the things he points out is is that the difference in race um, in the Muslim circles is that everyone is is considered or treated, or at least it came across to him, maybe it's because he was the novelty as the black American Muslim on Hajj. Uh, I think that might be a bigger thing to me personally, but I can't prove it. Uh, that everyone was simply treated as just a Muslim. And so they were all treated equal. And and in Muslims have been notoriously the most racist people they sold. I mean, they were the slave traders that sold the the sub-Saharan and West Africans to the slave trade. I mean, uh, I, I don't doubt that for a minute. But in, in Malcolm X's way of saying it, Islam mm-hmm. was like a race blind system. And the the racists tended to congregate together because they like to be around people who look like them. Okay. But one of the things that they mention as part of this belief system is the idea, or at least Nation of Islam, was the idea of the white devil. That the okay. white man was a genetically rebellious race. And the way it gets identified through the story, uh, through Malcolm X's telling, I couldn't help but notice this coincides with Protestantism. In all of the ways where the white man subjugates the indigenous localities it, with, with regard to the American Indians, that was white Protestants from England. Sure. In, in India, it was British Anglicans. Mm-hmm. In uh, colonial Africa, it was in, in South Africa, it was the Boers. And th- those were, you know, Anglicans, Anglicans and, and, and um, Calvinists. Dutch. Yeah. And it's like you look at, for example, the historical hatred that still exists, and the Chinese have long memories about this. Go back and research things like the Opium Wars and the Boxer Rebellion. That was the the British trying to sell this very profitable opium into China, and the Chinese rulers saying, this is messing up our nation, and destroyed an entire shipment. So the British East India Company decides to invade. They um, exact... Um, retribution for all of the product they lost they decide we're going to take hong kong which finally went back to the chinese in 1999 uh it was it was Mm -hmm. pardon 97 it was after i got out of the navy that's all i remember for sure but i thought it was nine oh it's the panama canal is 99 but anyway the the point being that that you look at all these different cases that malcolm x brings up and it's like dude you're talking about protestants not catholics Mm mm-hmm and it's well, one of these things he I doesn't wish, care it's all the same to him but, but yeah he doesn't yeah. know the difference he just yeah. sees white man bad yep. and they all pretend or say that they're Christian he does not know the difference and yeah. it's one of these things I wish I could go back in time and talk to him it's like dude Malcolm here's the difference between Protestants and Catholics the way you think about the way Muslims see the world is actually the way Catholics see the world talk about human dignity and let's set aside that stupid document from Vatican II about Dignitatis Humani because mm-hmm. it was misstated. 
but we are all redeemed in the blood of Christ. I forget the exact quotation because I'm not Protestant, but it's something in the Bible of we are neither Jew nor Gentile nor nor slave nor nor yeah. master, neither black nor white. We are all one in Christ. And I, honestly, that is the slogan to paint on on the sides of buildings and on the streets to counter BLM, Black Lives Matter or mm-hmm. Biden's Lives Matter or whatever. Um, black Lives Matter because it's not about black. It's about who are we with relation to Christ? That's all that matters. And one of the one of the biggest travesties of Protestantism, Protestantism is that this got lost somewhere along the line that somehow it was us and them. No. You look where Catholic um not missionaries, um explorers went, whether it was the French in Canada or the Spanish in Mexico or South America, they intermarried. The Portuguese in India, they intermarried. They didn't segregate and subjugate. They brought, um, it's really interesting. I posted a thing, it's been years ago now, about how uh, the Spanish almost immediately, they they recognized the aristocracy among the the Aztecs and the, what was, what's in Mexico, the Aztecs. Um, and they, in fact, they were clamoring to take Aztec princesses back to Spain and marry them. And there are still houses in Spain that carry the name of Aztec princesses that were that married Spanish explorers in in the very, very earliest years of um, the Spanish arriving in in Mexico. It's it's really remarkable. And it wasn't even going to foreign lands. It's even in Europe, even as part of the Reconquista or Reconquista, however you want to pronounce that. Um, yes. When when the, the when the Moors were finally driven out of Portugal, the the daughter of the chieftain um, stayed behind and said, I, "I want to become a Christian." And the prince of, of the force that drove drove them out married her. Her name was Fatima, and that's why Fatima of Portugal got its name was mm-hmm. in honor of her. Mm-hmm. It's no mistake that Our Lady of Fatima chose that spot mm-hmm. to come and you know, there's all kinds of prophetic things. I think uh, Archbishop Sheen made some comment about Our Lady of Fatima will be, will be the conversion of the Muslims at some point mm-hmm. toward mm-hmm. the end. Absolutely. Yep. Well, anyway. like you said, <laughs> we're, we're not there yet, clearly, because they're still sawing people's heads off in churches in France. So. Um, keep keep praying, but yeah, it, it'll all happen. That's that's the thing. I mean, there's a lot of people right now, even trads who are just who are just clearly losing their faith, clearly, and putting it all over the internet. And you just, I don't know, you just stop and shake your head and say, I mean, goodness gracious, this was all prophesied. The mother of God herself has told us all about this. You know, everything's playing out. This is our Lord told us exactly what to expect, exactly what would happen, that we should have that. I mean, what, is it, what does it say in, uh, in scripture? To live in Christ Jesus is to be persecuted. I mean, what part of that do you not understand? And why would it be that now something like this happens, which it was obvious was coming for years and years and years, both in terms of Corona scam in the sense of, you know, civilizational collapse into totalitarian tyranny, um, the, the eclipse of the church, 
on and on and on, all these things, obvious what was coming. And then it happens and you're just like, and people are just like, well, I didn't sign up for this. This is, well, the, the church, the church must've been wrong about all this. And then don't even get me started on the anti-papacy. A lot of it pivots on, on people are losing their faith because of anti-Pope Bergoglio, because they, they absolutely intransi- intransigently insist that, that he's the vicar of Christ and will not entertain what's what's right in front of them that well no he goes against absolutely every criteria that has been explicitly testified to in the 2000 year history of the church and explicitly explained by our lord and savior himself in the holy gospels and bergoglio goes completely against all of this but we categorically refuse to accept the the even even the thesis that maybe Pope Benedict, still alive, still running around in white, still calling himself the Pope, still giving the apostolic blessing, still living in the Vatican, still confirming the brethren, yeah. and not decrepit and on the age of uh, or on the edge of death either. No, that was a that was fake news too. I mean, he's old, but he's he's not. There was a rumor going around, I don't know, two weeks ago or something, that he was on the verge of death, and that's that's not true. He's ninety three, but he he isn't dying. Um, yet. I mean, he's 93. Just full stop. He's 93. Um, But, um, and there he is. And there's just an absolutely intransigent refusal to even consider the possibility that maybe something was up in February of 2013. And now, and now with all of this, it's all tied together. All of this Biden in bed with China and China's giving billions of dollars a year to the Vatican and just all of this crap is completely coming together. And it's becoming more and more apparent that, yes, there is a deep state. Um, the FBI is known about, has had the, the Biden laptop for 10 months. Clearly, there's something up there. Either the FBI is infiltrated and is and is a functional arm of the Chinese Communist Party, or what I think is more likely the case, the FBI is kind of at the head of the deep state in Washington D.C., and they are operating as a as as a blackmail arm, and they're the ones who are who are basically uh, controlling all of this. And, and executing and implementing where the CIA is in all of this in terms of international operations and stuff, I honestly don't know. But it's clear that the FBI needs to be burned to the ground, that it is completely infiltrated and it is, it is treasonous and it is seditious and <laughs> everything that goes along with that. Again, getting back to the anti-papacy. You have Podesta and you have all these people openly calling for an overthrow of the Vatican, of the Catholic Church, a Catholic spring in their own words. Um, Pope Benedict, I mean, people, people are now openly saying Pope Benedict was, was coerced. I mean, you know, secular journalists are saying it's obvious that Pope Benedict's resignation was coerced. Okay, kids, check your canon law. Canon 188 specifically says that coercion of of any kind nullifies a uh, proffered resignation. What that means is, is that it is impossible to coerce a pope out of office. 
Let me say that again. It is ontologically impossible to coerce a pope out of office into resigning because in the act of coercion itself, that nullifies any resignation that might be proffered by that pope. It's an absolutely beautiful system. In fact, one might even say that it is, it's divinely, um, divinely conceived and, and, and laid into law, which I, I believe that's the case. Yes, the 83 code is <laughs> canonists all across the world will say that the 83 code has massive, massive problems, but the divine providence also has it that the 83 code is what we're under. And there it is in 188. You cannot coerce a pope out of office. You now have people right and left saying it's clear that Pope Benedict was coerced. Of course he was coerced. Okay, if, 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 you, if, you, if you concede that, we don't even need to go into the substantial error. I mean, you know, everyone knows my position that the substantial error is first and probably the coercion is second. But if everyone, if everyone, under, if everyone agrees that Pope Benedict was coerced, I don't know at that point, do we, even, do we even need to look at the substantial error? I think, yes, we do for the sake of thoroughness and, and for the sake of uncovering the truth. Absolutely. But if he was coerced, then his, his resignation was invalid, and all visible evidence clearly points to that. So you've got people saying, okay, anti-Pope Bergoglio comes out and ratifies sodomy in this uh, movie documentary. This news just broke what's been a week or so ago, week and a half. Um, of course, he yes, he ratified sodomy. Of course, if you say that sodomites should have the legal right to any sort of legal um, civil union, which is aping marriage. Let's, let's not mince words about that. It's aping the sacrament of marriage. What in the hell do you think these people are doing? And what is the point of a civil union? Do you think, I actually saw some, I don't even remember who it was, but it's one of the, the Francis defenders actually made the argument that sodomites who are seeking to enter into civil unions aren't actually engaging in sodomy. And I, I mean, you look at that and you just say, how can anybody even, how can the, those words even pass out of your mouth? How can you not just be uh, bent over at, at, at the waist, vomiting all over yourself from your own mendacity? What in the hell do you think it means if, if, if two sodomites march into a city hall and demand a civil union? Of course they're engaging in sodomy. That's the entire point. Of course they are. They're not playing footsie under the table. They're engaging in acts that are so vile and so disgusting that even the demons have to withdraw when they start doing it because the demons are angelic beings and by their nature, they cannot even stand to be around it when human beings start doing that. They're happy to instigate it and see it start to happen. But once it starts happening, they don't stay in the room. They have to leave because it's that disgusting. Our Lord called sodomy a never sufficiently execrated depravity. Never sufficiently execrated, which is why I use terms like, like faggot and things like that. It is a never sufficiently execrated depravity. It 
deserves no quarter whatsoever. It needs to be called out and described as what it is. When Bergoglio says these people have the right not only to civil unions, but the right to purchase children, to purchase children, this is, this is a ratification of sodomy. It is a ratification of human trafficking. I'm sorry to, to sit and argue that this jives with the words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I have prayed for, your, I have prayed for you, Peter, that your faith, faith will not fail. Um, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. How it is that these people can continue to make this argument and refuse to even engage the data set of what is so clearly right in front of them. And sadly, I've said this before on the podcast and in writing, but I'll say it again so that people understand this. For a, a significant chunk of the people who are just absolutely intransigent and almost rhetorically violent in their intransigence on this point, it is because they personally, personally hate me. I'm sorry to say, but people out there deserve to know that. And you, you deserve to have some kind of context as to what's going on here. It, it literally is that stupid. Willing to go into schism, lose your faith, maybe go Eastern Orthodox, maybe just declare yourself openly an atheist, declare that the church is wrong, declare that for 2,000 years, everybody in the church has been wrong about the papacy, all the saints, all the doctors of the church, sacred tradition, everything wrong over a junior high school cafeteria beef with me. This is, this is one of the most morally insane things that I've ever personally experienced in my life. Yeah, I, I, if, if they're listening or if anyone wants to pass this on, I don't like you. I got to know you and I don't like you and I don't want to be around you. And I took care of business and I walked away because I did not want to be around you anymore. I would routinely have to go to confession after being around you. Um, when that's the case, you don't mess around. You don't keep going back for more. You cut it. You sever it. You walk away. I pray for you every day, but I don't want anything to do with you. I don't want to be associated with you. How can I be more clear? Um, instead of letting me live rent-free in your minds, maybe you should just pretend like it never happened either. That's what I try to do every day. Move on. Don't, don't let your hatred of me and the fact that I walked away from you cost you your eternal soul, your eternal soul, heaven, hell. That's the choice. Why? You're going to choose hell in order to prove some point to me? This is, this is abject insanity. I beg you for the love of God, stop this madness. Forget about me. Just, just look at the objective reality, look at the data set, and look at yourselves. Look at how you're going on the internet and encouraging people to go to the Eastern Orthodox. Look how you're going on the internet and declaring that the church is wrong and that dogma is wrong. And the latest, oh, the latest that came over my transom, um, if you don't doubt the Catholic Church, and the dogmas and the teachings of the Catholic Church, then you are engaging in the logical fallacy of begging the question. 
My goodness. Um, so apparently the theological virtue of faith doesn't even register with these people. The first glorious mystery of the rosary, the resurrection, fruit of the mystery, faith. The first, the first um, Hail Mary bead at the beginning of the rosary, the, the, the first three little beads when you first start the rosary after the creed, the first bead is for an increase in faith. Faith, hope, charity. One, two, three. And now arguing that the theological virtue of faith is a logical fallacy, namely begging the question that if you don't doubt that you're that you're some sort of a, I don't know, intellectual, intellectual imbecile or illogical, irrational, and that's where it's all going. I mean, accusing people of being crazy. And it's, it's, it's so incredibly sad to watch. And it's sad to watch people, you know, following along with this and, and believing this and thinking that these people are somehow um, exemplary and that, yes, it's okay. No, I mean, if, if, you're, if you're looking at Bergoglio and saying this completely shatters and collapses the entire faith, the entire church, everything, gee, I don't know, you think you, wanna, you might want to recheck your base premise? Think you might want to recheck who it is exactly that you're, that you're calling the vicar of Christ? And, and just ask yourself, is there anything odd going on here? Are there two men right now alive who are calling themselves the vicar of Christ, who are calling themselves the Pope, who are dressing like the Pope? Um, yeah, there sure are. So maybe you might want to recheck that base premise. The only reason those people aren't doing that is because they hate me personally, um, a significant and very prominent group of them, sadly. So folks, I beg you, pray the rosary and faith, 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 faith. It's, it's a theological virtue. And what, what is a big help with this is having a personal relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, he's a person. He loves you. He loves us. He loves us infinitely. He's infinite good. He's infinite truth. He's infinite mercy. He's infinitely powerful. Everything that's happening is within the divine providence. And also everything that's happening, we have brought on ourselves. Everything that's happening governmentally, everything, we get what we deserve. Well, I didn't do nothing. Oh, yes, you, yes, we all have. We, every single one of us, we all have done something. And the fact that most of the people running around of the 1.2 billion people who call themselves Catholic, most of them are running around in a state of unrepentant mortal sin. How many times have we seen video clips of Joe Biden and also Hunter Biden? Every time they deign to attend the holy sacrifice of the mass, guess what they do? They receive holy communion. That we're, Hunter Biden is an incestuous, crack-smoking pedophile. And every time Hunter Biden goes to mass, I can absolutely promise you that that filthy degenerate marches right up and receives Holy Communion. And I mean, you, it isn't just that. How about all the Catholics who are on the pill? Every time they go to mass, they march right up and receive. And, and I mean, even outside the sixth commandment, it's not like the sixth commandment is the only commandment. There's, all, there's, <laughs> there's nine others 
Um, how many people today never go to confession, don't believe what the church teaches, are, are pro-abortion, pro-sodomy, pro-divorce and remarriage, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Every time these people go to mass, when they deign to go to mass at all, which by the way, not going on Sunday is a violation of the third commandment. Um, it, every time they go, they, they receive and you, and you look around and wonder why Western civilization and Christendom is completely imploding. Well, we didn't do, I didn't do anything to deserve this. <sighs> Give me a break. Give me a break. We've we've got this coming. We've had this coming, and we've had it coming for a long time. Every day that we're given is a gift from our Lord. Every single day, because it's an opportunity to do something good. It's an opportunity to go to confession. It's an opportunity to go to mass. It's an opportunity to visit our Lord in the tabernacle, in adoration, whatever it is. It's an opportunity to do the right it's an opportunity to contribute and to give a word of encouragement or edification. Every single day is a gift from God at this point. Don't waste it. Do something. Contribute. Spread, spread the word. Don't just sit, sit around and whine and say, I didn't have this coming. You know what? I, I, I will say, I will echo that sentiment. I, I didn't have this coming. I, do, I didn't deserve this. I don't deserve this. And you know why Anne Barnhart doesn't deserve this? I don't deserve to be given an opportunity this good. I don't deserve to be given an opportunity this good to um, advance in sanctity, to potentially um, get higher and closer, closer to our Lord in the beatific vision. I, I don't deserve this opportunity. I don't deserve the grace of having been born and and to live in this time and in these days and have this tremendous honor of being able to do something, do anything, to live through this, to see this, and maybe to suffer and die in this. What an honor. Yeah, you're right. I, I don't deserve this. And we're, not e we're not even into the final times yet. Uh, that all, all the saints of, of the Middle Ages envied the people who were going to be living at the time of the Antichrist and the final persecution because these will be the greatest saints ever in the history yep. of the church. And in terms of in terms of uh, saying that uh, people envying you or, or you shouldn't shouldn't be feeling sorry about yourself, it made me think about uh, cases where I think people listening to the show know that I've got several kids. And uh, some of my professional colleagues will, will grouse about the fact that they have no time to do certain things outside of work because they've got two kids and they and, and, and they start complaining to me about it. And I just sort of like start smiling and nodding my head. It's like, tell me more. And, uh -huh. they, real, and they realize, oh, what am I doing telling you this? Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's... Uh, you need, you need scientific notation to explain how many kids you have. Well, not exactly. <laughs> not, exactly strict, not exactly. Strictly speaking, <laughs> scientific notation is accurate to any number. But this is true. <laughs> getting back to your point, um, yeah, never lose faith. Never, never lose sight of what it is we're doing here, why we're here. Don't lose yep. faith in the church and don't get sidelined by stupid ideas of people who don't have a full clue. Yeah. I mean, and if it, if it, if something about it stinks, you know, trust, trust your gut. And I'll say, you know, 
I'm not, I'm not going to be hypocritical and say, well, of course that, that excludes me. No, if you're, if you're listening to this and you think "Mm, there's something about her, I, I don't quite like, I'm not going to listen to her anymore. You know what? I'm not, I'm not going to browbeat you. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I say, I say, I use the term uh, bovine, bovine poo poo more than I should definitely. Um, But you know, I'm, I'm over here trying, but you know what, if, if I don't pass the smell test with you, by all means, stop listening, I'm not essential by any means. There's plenty out there. You have the entire magisterium of the church, the writings of all the saints, all the doctors of the church, all the fathers of the church. Believe me, you don't need to listen to the Barnhart podcast. You don't need to read the Barnhart website. You sure as heck don't need to give me anything. Nothing. If 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 you get if you get a feeling about me that maybe I shouldn't be listening to this, I completely totally respect you and that, and you should trust that and honor that. Um, and so, if you want recommendations of what what else you should, yeah. you should be reading or listening to, Barn or podcast at Barnhart, um, the podcast at Barnhart.biz goes to both Ann and me, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that there have been several cases where we, we both independently replied to the email. Yes. Um, without and realizing I it. Always, I always forget to hit reply to all whenever whenever it's sent to both of us. And I, I, as soon as I hit the send button, I say, oh man, I should have hit reply to all so that, so that Super Nerd got it too. But yeah, it happens a lot. I'm not going to be shy about telling you if, if you don't want to listen to Anne or me or, or both uh, and you want to find something that is just solid Catholic dogma without opinion, I've got dozens of links I could send you. And yeah. I'm sure Anne has them as well. Um, it just the, the general idea is that uh, somebody whose name start with it starts with ST, who was canonized prior to 2000. Um, that's that's a that's a reliable place to start. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anything for me, anything prior to, frankly, prior to the mid 60s, but even the 50s, um, anything prior to the asteroid is going to be is going to be decent. I mean, you can read anything written. Um, you know, Leo the 13th is just incredible, easy reading, blunt, direct, and beautiful. And, and Leo the 13th was extremely prolific. I mean, just on and on and on. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, reading Aquinas, sitting down and reading the Summa, um, no, that's, that's great for references and so on, but don't think you're going to sit down and read the Summa and, you know, become completely edified. Um, I suppose there are some people- Thomas Akempis, absolutely. Um, Imitation of Christ. There's there's all kinds of stuff out there. And as Dr. Beep said on the last episode, oh my goodness, read the church fathers. Read the stuff that was said and and, and laid down and written within the first, I don't know, 200, 300 years of, from our Lord's death and resurrection. And we've been actually covering a lot of that in Dr. Motz's classes. So there's learned some absolutely incredible things in Dr. Motz's classes, some really fascinating church fathers quotations on, um, abortion and contraception. Think about that. Think about explicit teaching on contraception and abortion from like the year 250 or something like that. Just, just amazing stuff. So 
there's so much out there. No, you don't, you don't necessarily need to listen to or read basically anybody contemporary. Um, the only thing you need to know contemporary is the, the, is the liturgical schedule at your local parishes that you attend. And that's, that's about it. Well, we could go to other topics here. Um, or we I could wrap know. it up. I don't we're, know. We're at 37. I don't know. We could we could record another episode. What what day? This is Thursday. We could do another one early next week if you're around. Well, I, I hesitate to say this on the podcast, but I was hoping we could record one tomorrow night to put in the can. Something oh, that tricky, isn't tricky. Okay, yeah. Well, I mean, we've been trading notes about a, about a podcast that's not related to current news that I, I really would like to. Um, uh, yes, we were supposed one. to do this one two weeks ago, and then. I had a sore throat and then that went away within 24 hours, but, um, that's unfortunate. You know, the devil gets in in weird ways and I, I think this is a, an important one to do. Okay. And it's, it's one of these that every time I go over my notes, it's like, oh, I got to do so much more research and I got to add more to it. But I think ultimately you got, you got to not let the perfect be the enemy of the good and just put it out there and say, Hey, tell me what I got wrong or what I need to improve on this. And get good enough out there because I, th I think it'll work. It's, it's one of these things that ties together about 700 years of history and, and mm -hmm. uh, allows you to see that what's going on now has been prefigured, pre-shadowed. And it's not so, in a way, it's not so crazy as it seems, even though, you know, we, we have the tyranny of the moment that we don't really see history in the, in the, in the context of a thousand years and that things mm -hmm. crazy have happened before. And maybe this exact set of circumstances hasn't happened before, but it, you know, human experience can only, it's, it's all variations on a theme. But, you know, I'm telling people all the time, this is, this is absolutely historical. We are living through things that human beings, barring supernatural intervention, human beings, centuries and centuries and centuries from now are going to sit around and talk about and analyze um, and so we're, we're living in the middle of it right now. If you survive all of this, um, and you live to old age, you are going to be telling your children, grandchildren, great grandchildren about what it was like during this. Remember everything, you know, live in the moment, be present in the moment. Remember what everything is like. I mean, I remember during I was experiencing this profoundly during the first lockdown in the spring where I would just walk the streets and I mean, walking the streets of a city that is completely and totally empty was, um, an incredibly moving, moving time and experience. And I, I get the impression that within a matter of weeks, if not days, it's going to be back to the same thing. Just walking streets completely, totally empty. Um, you're going to, you're going to be telling people what that was like. If it comes to the point where, you know, like I'm arrested for not wearing a mask or, or I'm tackled and, and again, presuming that I survive and live to old age and I'm able to tell people about it. These, this is like, you know, your grandfather or great grandfather telling stories about World War II or stories about Vietnam and stuff like that. It's awful, but it's also extremely important that you remember all this. So don't don't live in this weird detached thing like this is all just a movie or something. It's not. This is real life. Remember this. Remember these days and be present in all of this and remember what it's like. It's very important because, you know, you know, we learn from history and it's going to be so important to, to pass on to future generations. What, what in the heck, 
exactly went on. So be, be aware. Well, and you talk about Vietnam and, and some other more recent cases. I think about the 14th century and the book, um, A Distant Mirror. And that was the last time we had a Western schism where multiple people were claiming to be Pope. We also had a significant plague going around as well. Mm-hmm. Wars going on. You look at what was going on in the 14th century. You look at what's going on now in the world. It's like, there's actually some similarities here. And so to know history is to know what's going to come. Yeah. And ultimately, don't lose fact, don't, don't lose sight of the fact that we are all, all redeemed by the blood of Christ. Mm-hmm. We are all meant to be in heaven. This world is a cluster bleep dumpster fire dog's breakfast. It's never going to be perfect. And if it looks like it's perfect for even a moment, you should be looking over your shoulder and saying, what's the, what's the catch? Yeah. Yeah. You should, you should be worried. I've, I've been experiencing that for quite some time now. You know, everything is just, everything was just so pleasant to be perfectly frank for, for quite a while. And I still consider my life to be pleasant. Um, but that's, that's another thing that's coming up is people are now saying, you know, what, what, what is heaven? What, what is it anyway? Why are, why are we supposed to sacrifice, you know, this, that, and the other in this world for heaven? I, I mean, what does the church even tell us it is? Again, you need to have a personal relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because heaven, the beatific vision, is dwelling inside of the Trinity, being just completely immersed and, and subsumed in infinite love, infinite personal love, personal love. Can, God is infinite. He loves you personally, infinitely. That's why our Lord said in the Gospels, I, I can't even begin to describe this to you. You have no idea how good it is, what I have prepared and what I have waiting for you. Just stop and, and pray on that and think about what that means. Think about the most profound experiences of genuine love that you have ever felt in your entire life. Genuine, genuine happiness from something that was truly good and beautiful. And then raise that to the power of infinity. You will, it will never stop. You will never be exhausted. It will, it will be personal, infinite love for forever. But you'll, we'll all exist outside of, of time, which we can't understand. But the reason I always emphasize that is because I've heard, again, these people, these trad ink people say, well, I, I don't know. It sounds boring. It sounds like I'm going to get bored. And you just shake your head and, and, and say, how, how can you have such a shallow, shallow contemplation of this? He's infinite loved. He, he loves you infinitely. And he has specifically told us that we are incapable of understanding how good it is. He can't even describe to us how good it is. You need to take him at his word and love him personally. Let him love you and ask him to permit you to love him. Cherish thou me and permit me to love you, Lord. That, let that be your prayer. And you know what? I trust that whatever the beatific vision is, that it is going to be so completely fantastic that it defies quantification, description, or anything else. You know what? That description is good enough for me. I but that's what St. Paul wait. says. 
Yeah. Yeah. We cannot we cannot contemplate the le- the length, the depth, the breadth of uh, of the of the majesties of Christ. Yep. That's good enough for me. And again, what does this come back to? Faith. The supernatural virtue of faith. When when infinite love tells you, sweetie, <laughs> you have no idea how good it's going to be. You don't need to sit around and say, well, I want, I want details. I want a PowerPoint presentation. I want you to tell me exactly what it is. Why, why shouldn't I do this, that, and the other? Why shouldn't I do, you know, do these things here in this world? Because faith. Because faith. Because faith. And if you have a personal relationship with him, it's really, really easy to trust him. And the more, the more you have a personal relationship with him, the more you're willing to trust him and the more you're willing to abandon yourself to the divine providence and say, whatever you need me to do in this world, up to and including being tortured, killed, whatever it is, whatever you need me to do, wherever you need me to go, yes, because I say yes to you. I am on board with you. I, I believe that you love me and I want to love you. I say yes to you. So give me faith and, and you know, you've redeemed me. Now I'm going to work with you and I'm going to try <laughs> to make sure that I don't screw that up and that I am saved. I'm, I'm going to try, I'm going to screw up and I'm going to, you know, say BS on the podcast and use language that our lady would never, ever use and things like that. Um, and I'm going to slip up and I'm going to fail, but please make sure I say yes to you. I'm on board with you. I want in, I want the beatific vision and I want to be as close to you as possible in heaven as I possibly can be. And whatever happens in this world, there's nothing that can happen in this world that would, that will shake me from this. I want to be with you, Lord, period. Faith. Dismount Soapbox begin wrap up? Yes. The email address for the podcast where you can send feedback, comments, suggestions, or good news items for wrapping up the podcast is podcast at barnhart.biz. Or if you have top secret information, there's another address, but I'm going to talk about that in a minute or so. So hold on to that idea for a minute. Anne expresses her profound gratitude to all of her benefactors, at least one mass every single day, plus one traditional Catholic Latin Requiem mass for everybody who died in the last week is offered every week. And we know some people recently who are got some, some uh, Requiems we're attending to. Um, this is a, whether we know you or not, whether or not you emailed us or not, that is something that, that is a, definitely a huge blessing. And thank you, Anne, for doing that. I mean, at some point this is going to affect somebody in, in, in my, my family, my life as well. And obviously this is, this is a huge blessing. Please pray for these priests. Without yes. these priests, these masses don't happen. And as much as, um, these, anti-mask people like me and Anne are going to be uh, targeted by all manner of uh, bots, human and otherwise. These priests have been marked for a while. Uh, Mm. They're on a list and uh, the ages of Satan are checking it twice. They're going to get a visit at some point. Please pray for these priests because without them, we don't get the sacraments and without the sacraments, it's going to be really hard to get to heaven. And I say that as a dramatic understatement. Well, what happens when you don't have the sacraments is that you lose your faith. And um, yeah, if you don't go to mass, if you haven't been to mass, 
in months and months and months and months and months by your own choice, if you stop partaking of the sacraments, both the mass and confession, what happens is that you lose your faith. And what what I've read within the, the past, I don't know, several weeks about this is that people, when they lose their faith, they don't even realize that it's happened or that it, it is happening. Um, and boy, we're seeing that in spades right now. So the sacraments are, it's now more than ever, obviously, now that they're, I mean, they're, Satan is trying to take everything away. That should drive home the point of how important it is. Go while you can, do everything you can while you can, and make contingency plans for when, um, and it's coming within days, if not uh, weeks, if not days, that we're probably going to have to do seriously underground stuff, even more underground than what happened last spring. Unfortunately, yes. Um, we'll, we'll see. I hope it's not as bad as... <laughs> I hope it's not as bad as I'm fearing, but we'll find out. The Barnhart Podcast is a production of Supernerd Media. If you found something of value in this or in previous episodes and would like to return some value, or you just want to find out what the answer is to what is Supernerd Media, please visit supernerdmedia.com to learn more, to donate, and to find out where to send QSL cards and more. I want to recognize a few donors since the last time we I had a speaking role on the podcast, which was October 3rd. It's been uh-huh. a while. Um, via the postal service. I want to re- uh, thank Richard and Charles and Charles had, had a wonderful note. He said, thank you for all your hard work resulting in fantastic podcasts that are therapy for me and for others. Well, you're welcome, Charles. And Yay. thank you as well. Uh, via the internet. Um, a couple of people found out that there is a PayPal option. Again, I think my accountant will be okay with this. And if the PayPal option goes away, well, then maybe my accountant didn't agree with me. But uh, Richard, Richard and Mike, yes, three Richards this time. Um, And Randall all discovered that that the PayPal account is up and going again. And DPM uh, donated via Amazon. What's the difference there? Amazon is basically Amazon gift cards. And those are absolutely awesome for converting into uh, things like Darden restaurant gift certificates, which is what, you know, on, on Super Nerd Media, when I, I specify what do the donations go for, it's things for keeping the website up, paying for hosting, paying for software for doing the podcast itself, and also taking Super Mommy out for dinner dates. And, extremely uh, important, y'all. Well, extremely and, the, important. and the Amazon gift, the Amazon gift cards are really good for converting into things like Darden gifts, gift certificates. So that that's a, a great one there. So in terms of if if you're asking what's the difference in PayPal and Amazon, yeah, Super Mom basically. Um, <laughs> there's also an option out there for Bitcoin, which nobody has done, and which is probably a good thing actually. Yeah. Uh, so I mentioned a few seconds ago, um, secure email. There's two email addresses in in the show notes. One is, you know, email at supernerdmedia.com. And then I have another one. It's at ProtonMail. I think it's supernerdmedia at protonmail.com. And I say that's the one for secure email. Um, if you email that from anything other than a ProtonMail account, it's not secure. So if you're sending me something from a Gmail account or Yahoo or, or Hotmail or, or anything that does not end in protonmail.com or pm.com, uh, that's not secure. So mm-hmm. if you actually have something that is sensitive that you want to, to communicate, email me first and just say, I have sensitive stuff I want to communicate to you. Initiate a secure channel, and I'll take it from there. Don't say anything sensitive in an initial uh, email. Now, if you're one of these turbo nerds who already knows how ProtonMail works, then feel free to just go ahead and, and fire away from ProtonMail. But I, I'm, I wanted to point this out because some people have found that email address and have been using it. 
Uh, some of it is just some some of the emails have been, hey, I see two addresses, I'll send it to both. A couple of them have been semi-sensitive in nature, not really, but they're coming from gmail.com. That's not encrypted. If you're going from Gmail to ProtonMail, that's wide open. Everybody sure, and their brother yeah. can read it. Yeah. Um, I say that with a slightly tongue-in-cheek, but not terribly. Yeah. Um, so if, if you have something that's truly sensitive you want to communicate to me, send an email first to say you want to initiate a secure channel, and I'll take it from there. I'll, I'll email you back, and I'll coach you through it, and we're good to go from there. So dismount my soapbox with regard to secure email, and now it's to you for Matthew 1720. Uh, Matthew seventeen twenty intention, guys, keep going. It's uh, now more than ever. The urgency of this only gets greater every day. Every day that this drags out um, is it makes it that much harder fixing it, and it puts that much more burden on the people who are going to fix it. Um, but again, believe me when I tell you, things are happening. So I can't. I know I keep saying that, but. Patience, patience, which is the fourth sorrowful mystery, our Lord's carrying of the cross, patience. Like I said earlier, every day that this drags out, yeah, today it drags out, but it's also another day of opportunity for us to do the right and for other people to do the right. So, Yeah, and um, anybody who's listening who remembers or has a living memory of 2020, obviously patience has been a big requirement, mm-hmm. whether we wanted to or not. Yeah, exactly. And it's so, going to get more so because 2021 is not going to be easier. No, it isn't. So keep praying, keep praying. Matthew 17, 20 intention is fourfold. Fast twice a week if you can and pray every day that um, that Bergoglio be publicly recognized and removed as an anti-pope and that the whole thing be nullified. That Pope Benedict Ratzinger be publicly recognized as having been the one and only living pope since April of 2005. That Bergoglio repent, revert to Catholicism, die in a state of grace in the fullness of time, and someday achieve the beatific vision. And that Pope Benedict Ratzinger repent of whatever he needs to might need to repent of. That he die in a state of grace in the fullness of time and someday achieve the beatific vision. Nothing less will do. Our Lady, undoer of knots, pray for us. Amen. And until next time, and I sincerely hope it's not four weeks from now, I am Super Nerd. And I'm Anne. Thanks, guys. God bless. 